Joining me today on Resourceful HDR podcast is Dr. Karina Lucia. Karina is a social geographer, academic developer, researcher and higher education project manager. She came to Macquarie University in 2005 for a six-month part-time contract role in the Faculty of Science in the Department of Human Geography. Years later, she's still at Macquarie, which is good for us, currently based in the Learning Innovation Hub after working in fixed-term contract and casual academic and professional roles across the university. Before working in universities, Karina worked in retail, market research, an insurance company, a museum, a mint, an observatory, two photo libraries, <laughs> an urban planning, urban planning consultancy, and a not-for-profit health services organisation. Karina, thanks for being part of the Resourceful HDR podcast. Thanks for having me, Sally. After reading through your bio, I must say I feel a little exhausted because you have seriously done so much. We've had a number of conversations since we first met a few years ago on a broad range of topics, and today I want to begin by asking you some questions about your own career, what you have learnt and how your perspective may have changed along the way. Before beginning your work in universities, you had a diverse work experience. What led you to enrol in a PhD, and did you have career aspirations at that time? (laughs) Thanks, Sally. I've got a note here on my notes to say... Um, be brutally honest and own up to the fact that you, um, that I never had any firm or detailed career aspirations at all. Um, I kind of just floated along, um, not really knowing where I wanted to work specifically, but I think knowing, looking back, knowing a lot about how I wanted to work and who I wanted to work with. Um, any ideas that I did have were really vague. Um, I've got here that um, all along I realised now I wanted meaningful work. Um, I wanted to get on reasonably well with the majority of people that I'd be in contact with for eight hours a day, at least five days a week, um, for the next few decades. Um, I wanted to work with ideas, but I didn't actually articulate that until much later on. Um, And I wanted to work with ideas, not just my own, but those of other people's. Um, and if I could read, write and kind of talk for a living, that would be a bonus. Mm. And when I was doing my undergraduate degree, um, Spanish and Latin American literature, which was a very employable <laughs> a very employable degree, um, the lecturer I had said that he loved his job because he got to read books and talk about them for a living. And I thought I'd love a piece of that action. So I did think... Again, vaguely, I'd like to work at a university and as an academic. So, yep. Um, when the opportunity for a PhD came up, um, even though I might add I'd had no idea about the discipline that the PhD was in at the time, um, I gave myself a six-month crash course in the discipline, discovered I loved it and went on from there. So what do you mean you had no idea about the discipline? Well, my undergraduate degree was in Spanish and Latin American studies. It was in sociology and it was in psychology. And human geography, I hadn't done at all. I had no idea about what the discipline, what was involved in the discipline. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a feeling that I might like it and I had a feeling that it might be very strongly connected to sociology, which it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but after working in the department as a project officer where I was actually... Um, involved in um, it was a learning and teaching project and I 
was basically um, tasked with bringing fieldwork back into the Macquarie University human geography curriculum, which meant that how was I organising students to go out and actually do human geography out in the field um, at an undergraduate level. And from then on, I just kind of fell in love with the discipline. I had to read a lot around it. Um, I had to read a lot about it. I had to go back to its roots in um, thinking about how fieldwork had been so much a part of geography. I had to do a lot of work in be surprised maybe um colonialism and post-colonialism which I was already very familiar with because of my undergraduate degree um and just really enjoyed being in that space and being working with this kind of with these kinds of ideas I guess and the department was fantastic so it kind of met all my criteria. So it's interesting that you talk about how you didn't really have any idea of what you're going to do and Mm -hmm. that you sort of um had some vague ideas but I'm interested that you said that you knew that you wanted something with meaning. If I could get everybody to understand that, there'd be a lot more happy people out there working in whatever they're doing. Definitely. Um, so, you know, that is just the perfect place to start. And then, as you said, you uh, really sort of understood things in retrospect. Mm-hmm. And again, I think that's how we write our careers. Mm-hmm. So Absolutely. we might say, oh, I had no idea. And then when we look back, we say, oh, well, it was this, this and this. And yeah. it may have been that, but yeah. you weren't able to articulate that. Yeah. And so you do know how to do that now. And that's great because you're helping other people along the way. Uh, but certainly that's the thing that you and I both have a lot in common in that way, that we really want to help people to understand what it is that, they, that matters to them and what their values are, what their strengths are, mm-hmm. where they want to actually make a difference mm-hmm. and that gives meaning uh, and it's very a very personal thing yeah so I guess having talked about all of that and what you were saying about your experiences in human geography and how mm-hmm. you loved there and you'd learnt about a lot about yourself along the way how have your aspirations changed they're still incredibly vague but they I do have a better sense that even in their vague, that they are necessarily vague. I have a better sense that they need to be vague at this stage and that I need to be quite flexible around what will work for me. But I'm also more comfortable with that vagueness as well. I still very much see, again, as you said, this is looking very much retrospectively at what I've done. I must have had an underlying sense of what I wanted to do and how I wanted to spend my time, quite frankly. Um... And that I did not want to spend my time, um, if I had to work, as everybody does, I wanted to make it as meaningful to me and as socially useful as possible. Um, I think that was my underlying direction. But in terms of what did I want to be when I grew up, I had no idea. Um, and I still don't. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I think that um, messiness around career planning has actually served me really well. It wouldn't suit everybody, but it's served me really well. It's let me um, select what is important to me in terms of how I do work and how I work and who I work with, as I said before. Um, I'm realising as well that autonomy is a huge thing for me and I've been really fortunate at Macquarie to, no matter what position I've been in, and I've been in a lot of roles here, I have been pretty much left to self-manage, self-direct. Some people don't like that. I love it. Um, I love it too. Yeah, and um, 
I didn't find that necessarily in other institutions and organisations and sectors. Mm. So I think that's probably why I've stayed here for such yeah. a long time. And, you know, you've, you're lucky because, you know, any organisation, universities included, there will be pockets where there's uh, their high-trust environments and Absolutely. other ones that are yes. low-trust environments. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, for me, I seek out the high-trust environments because I can be trusted, yeah. you can be yeah. trusted, yeah. and that's where I find I flourish. As you say, other people might like more structure yeah. and Absolutely. guidance. And, so and even with my own team, we, yeah. we, there are people here who would prefer more structure, more guidance, mm. um, and I understand that. And if I'm in a position to be able to provide that guidance and structure, whether it's in terms of how a particular unit might work and how they might work with that unit or that department or that, even that person, that professor, um, that teaching team, um, I'll do that. Um, but in terms of the way I work and the way I like to work, I like to discover things for myself yeah. and like to build those relationships from scratch. Um, and I've been allowed to do that in practically every job I've been in here at Macquarie, which has been lovely. Mm-hmm. So they haven't been necessarily the securest of jobs, and we'll probably talk about that later on. But in terms of providing autonomy, um, I guess learning, professional learning, um, and the way I want to be as a professional in the workplace, they've been incredibly useful. Mm. So, you know, you talked about earlier how you had, you know, spoken to this particular academic. Yes, said, yes. Oh, you know, and you thought, yeah. oh, you know, I'd like to do that and maybe as an academic. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, oh, how wrong I so was. So, how has your perception of higher education changed since working here yep. in the sector, mm-hmm. broader sector? And what... Would would you encourage people to know before they sort of un- embark on an academic path? I've got here in my notes, you've asked me the question, what was your perception of higher education before yeah. I started working here? And I've got basically an Australian version of Hogwarts crossed with Oxford, crossed with Sydney <laughs> University. And so I was remarkably naive about... I mean, honestly, I don't know where I got this idea from because it's not as though I didn't go to... An, I didn't went to... University of New South Wales for my undergraduate and I actually came to Macquarie for some postgraduate work and I honestly don't know why I considered that working here would change what the buildings around me <laughs> <laughs> um, and change the way you know um, like kind of ivy sandstone would grow up around me here at Macquarie and that ivy would cover those buildings um, it was remarkably naive I think but also Probably a more important thing that I didn't realise is that casualisation was so high and job insecurity was so high in this sector. Um, I also didn't realise, and this has been a a real, um, I guess, turning point for me, I also didn't realise that to be able to be a professional, at least to teach at university, you don't require a qualification in teaching. And that, for me, has basically guided, particularly the last few years of my career such as it is here at Macquarie um, because I feel very strongly that um, there are certain standards that need to be met for students, um, students of, of all ages, in undergraduate, postgraduate, HDR students as well, they need to know that the people who are teaching them, people who are supervising them know what they're doing mm. and qualifications give you that and if not qualifications then at least knowing that that person who's teaching you has adhered to some sort of standards um, that's been really important for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are the things that kind of ripped 
my very rosy coloured glasses off my face um, with regard to higher ed. That being said, um, what else has changed? Um, I've realised that the university is very much like every single other organisation out there in terms of the, the pressures it faces, in terms of funding, in terms of kind of sustainability, but also like paradoxically that the university is unlike any other organisation you could possibly work at. It's remarkably diverse, um, much more diverse in both workforce and the people that you meet on a day-to-day basis than I ever thought it would be. Um, what else? And I did think, I mean, I do a lot of reading and writing and some talking, but it's not the kind of reading, writing and talking that I thought I'd be doing. So hmm. um, not that it's a bad thing, but it's very much a experience has shown me um, that academia is not the way it's portrayed everywhere. Mm-hmm. So it's not like the movies? Oh, it's not like the movies at all. There's actually Dead Poet Society or yeah, anything yeah, like that. No. Right. Yep. There's an interesting Twitter um, you know, thing where it's, you know, how would your character, like your profession, be shown in, oh, in, yes, a, yeah, in a yeah, film? Yep. And it, they're really hilarious. Yep. Too. So yep. you could relate to those, I'm sure. So what would you say to current PhD candidates who hope to follow an academic career path? If you hope to follow an academic career path, I think you absolutely, definitely need to know why you are following that career path and what you're in it for. If you're in it for job security, perhaps have a plan B and a plan C and a plan D and a plan E. If you're in it for status... Again, have a plan B, plan C, plan D. If you're in it for research, perhaps have a plan B because research and ongoing research careers are very hard to find in universities. And if you just like the thought of being an academic or being a professor, perhaps investigate further what exactly professors do. Um, And I'm saying that it seems so obvious and so... Honestly, um, obvious to say it, but I didn't even... I mean, even when I started my PhD, I didn't actually know what academics did um, and what they do on a day-to-day basis. Um, Now I know a lot more about it. I don't know if I would have made the same choices um, knowing now what I know then Mm. about the way they have to work and about particularly about the performance criteria that they now need to meet. Um... Academics need to publish, so that's another thing. If you want to be an academic, you need to like writing because you'll be doing a lot of it. And not the kind of writing that you probably like doing, but a lot of the writing that needs to be done under huge time pressures and in a particular structure and in a particular way um, that takes a lot of time and there's lots of feedback involved and lots of collaboration. Um, If you don't like any of that process, then I would advise people, particularly those in the social sciences and the humanities, to look elsewhere mm. um, because that's how you'll be measured, mm. basically. Yeah, and it's interesting you said about the writing because um, I saw something one of my colleagues, mm-hmm. uh, Florence Chu, put in our recent newsletter where it said about, you know, that, that you know, PhDs and academic work it largely particularly the PhD, is about writing. And I thought, yeah, it was a really... I I thought, oh, yeah, I hadn't really stopped to think about that. It is, really. Ironically, I actually attended one of 
well, probably not ironically, I attended one of Florence's um, HDR writing courses the other week because I needed to get back into the kind of writing routine um, that's needed to keep my workflow going. Um, that's a lot of research writing, a lot of... Um, basically, it's actually re- all research writing. Um, so, she, yeah, she'd be a good person to... To yeah. talk to about no, that. I yeah. would be doing that. Yeah. Uh, so the thing is, though, you know, that sounds like gloom and doom, and it's it's not though, because really, what you're saying though is, if if you really understand why you want to pursue your academic career and you have a realistic picture of it, mm-hmm. and I would say that's the case for any career, of course, do your due diligence and yes. really understand it um, yep. before you embark on it. Uh, and, and it is a very competitive area, but there are many other competitive areas that people are determined and they get there. Yep, so it's not to say do. they won't get there. Yes. But again, you've got to make sure that when you get there, you say, oh, that's where I thought, what, it, what I thought it would be, mm-hmm. uh, rather than that surprise where people go, oh, this isn't, I didn't know. Uh, you know, I remember speaking to a PhD I worked with at Newcastle and he came to me and said, well, I'm, I'm you know, finished my PhD, working as academic, but I really don't like writing grant proposals mm-hmm. and I don't like teaching oh. <laughs> so he he was fine he said so yeah. what so now I'm happy to say he's out working for a large government organization and really loving it yes uh, so it's really suiting him but that's the thing it's about what whether people want to go into academia or elsewhere it's actually what what might that be like yeah do you do due diligence yeah and then uh really then work out what you might need to really be competitive and yeah. then follow that hmm. You have a strong interest in higher education professional learning. Can you talk about what that means to you and and how you're involved in that currently? So my ideas around this, are, as I've got here, strongly linked to ac- the, the idea that academics, researchers, students are kind of, when they're here at the university, they're actually professionals and they're professional scholars, they're professional teachers, they're professional researchers, they're professional learning support professionals, they're higher education workers. And so my ideas around that are to be a professional you need to be carrying out kind of be involved in continuous professional development in order to maintain currency, in order to keep up to date with what's happening in your field and in higher education generally. Um, I'm very committed to that. Um, I think Macquarie is also becoming very committed to that, to this idea of the professional life cycle, and that starts first year you enter university all the way up to professor, if you want to look at it that way. It's a very big picture of how is um, being involved in university learning and teaching and research very much professional practice and lots of different professional practices for that, for that matter. Um, so my idea around professional learning is that it's important for to um, provide resources and support for people to do that. And my current job, I'm very pleased to say, is very much around that. Um, how do we ensure that the people who are working here in teaching, in learning support and in research are involved in good professional practice at all levels? Mm-hmm. Excellent, that's great. And you're currently coordinating the Higher Education Academy Fellowship Program. Yep. What does that entail? Okay, so that basically is the the Higher Education Academy Fellowship Program is all about helping academics and learning support staff at Macquarie demonstrate that they meet professional standards with regard to university teaching, both in higher education generally, but also in their discipline or subject area. 
Um, what happens is people um, have to write an application, so there's more of that writing. It's always writing here. Lots of grant writing, lots of award writing, and this is an application writing where you have your you write about job your application pra- writing. Job application <laughs> writing, absolutely. Um, and basically, what you have to do is you have to write about your practice, and in this case, in about in teaching and learning support, and you have to write about it in such a way that you're demonstrating as you write um, how it meets the standards of what the um, the Higher Education Academy has presented as a very robust set of standards called the Professional Standards Framework for Teaching and Learning Support in Higher Education. So um, the fellowship program here at Macquarie is people basically involved in um, demonstrating that they know what they're doing. What do you think are the most important qualities and skills to have to enhance opportunities for future employment? Uh, Just your own view. Yep, okay. So I think it's really important, at least in my own view, it's been really important that I had breadth and depth of professional knowledge. So expertise in one area, but also an understanding how what I do fits in with other departments, other work that's happening in the institution, whether it's, you know, happening next door or happening across the way. So an idea of how what you do fits into the organisation's broad aims and more specific aims, to tell you the truth, that's been very useful. Relatedly, a really good understanding of how you, your work, your job, what you do makes the work of other people easier, better, that's been really useful as well, getting an understanding around that. I've got here as well self-respect. <laughs> so helping to know your worth, your worth as a worker and as a professional, um, as a scholar in this instance as well. It helps you let go of bad situations or bad work situations, move on if need be, and stay resilient. Mm. I don't ordinarily like using the word resilient because I think it gets thrown around a lot without much kind of investigation into what it actually means for the individual. But in this case, I think that um, for me, um, developing and fostering respect for the values that I hold as a worker and as a, as a professional, again, um, has helped foster that self-respect and that self-respect in turn has kind of led to me being able to move on if I need to or realise when a situation is not going to improve and go elsewhere, mm. which has so, been helpful. And I can really see that. You've put that well in that we can get into situations where we stop listening to ourselves. Yes, absolutely. Very easy to do, especially in job situations and work situations, especially when it's there's a hierarchy involved and you're told uh, by higher-ups to... Uh, perhaps put something together that doesn't necessarily not only mesh with your own values but you think as well from your knowledge and your expertise mesh with the the broader values that you know that the organisation or that the university or even higher education is all about and having the confidence to stand up for those values and also the courage to move on to another situation if you find that you just can't align your own values with the, the direction that the that you've been asked to go in. Mm. So, yeah. <clears throat> well, thank you, Karina. That's been great. I know you're suffering from a cold, mm. so I appreciate that you... Sorry, I'm a bit croaky. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and I'm, I'm really interested to see the work you're continuing to do in this professional development space. I am too, actually. <laughs> it's very early days yet, yeah. but, you know, I'm looking forward to it. Thanks. Mm.